Hello and welcome to episode 9 of All Songs Are Love Songs, in which I, Rowan, do my best to convince you and our resident judge Erica that all songs ever written qualify as love songs. In each episode, guests will bring songs as evidence to prove me wrong. In this episode, two guests brand new to the podcast, Lauren Dodsworth. Not love. The opposite of love. And Matt Eastwood. And that's the title. This ain't a love song. That's all coming up in this episode. So let's step back into the courtroom. All songs, all songs, all songs, love songs. <laughs> I'm going to start that again. <laughs> it is back to the courtroom with another challenge with Judge Erica presiding. Yes. Hello. Hear ye, hear ye. Courtroom. <laughs> <laughs> Court is in session. Welcome, Rowan. And today, as the um, prosecution, we have Matt Eastwood. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Judge. Excellent. Should I say your, should I say your honour? <laughs> I would appreciate it. And could you please tell the gallery, Matt, what expertise are you bringing to the courtroom today? Well, I... Uh... I've had a lifetime of music. I grew up uh, learning instruments and doing musical theatre with Rowan himself. Played in many bands, also one including Rowan. Played a lot of solo gigs and I'm somewhat of a singer-songwriter myself. Wow, that is that is definitely exactly what we're looking for here. You've ri- written lots of love songs, no doubt, Matt. <laughs> okay, you got, you got me there. I'll, I'll allow it. I, I believe that does, in fact, make you an expert then. Now, yeah. Matt, what song have you brought today? I've brought one that might actually bring a little bit of controversy, but I feel I've got this one in the bag. It's a Bon Jovi song, This Ain't a Love Song. Wow. <laughs> Bold move. Bold move from the prosecution. All right, Matt. Stands for itself. Why don't you go first and uh, please t- tell the court why this is not a love song. Well, it's the name of the song. This ain't a love song. There's no doubt about it. But you can't tell me it's a love song because the title di- dictates this is not a love song. I can almost guarantee you that anyone that's heard the song still only knows one line, and that's the title. This ain't a love song. I can only almost guarantee because as an avid performer that likes to learn lyrics, in this particular song's case, even I only knew the one line up until yesterday. Now, you may be thinking, oh, but hang on, hang on, this is just the the title of the song. It's what the song is about and and. All that, no, no, well, in many cases, a simple statement can render spoken or written word null and void. A classic example is the word but in a sentence. The use of the word but in a sentence renders everything said previously null and void. For example, I like your eyebrows, but they could use a pluck. That indicates that you don't like their eyebrows. Much like this song, the title is a statement or a declaration, if you will, by the artist himself. And by definition, a statement is a definite or clear expression of something in speech or writing. Ergo, the statement, the song title, is a definite or clear expression of the song. Whether or not the song lives up to the statement is debatable. But the declaration made by the artist, that's the truth. I rest my case. Wonderful. Thank you so much to the prosecution. 
Rowan, as the defense, would you care to tell the court why this is, in fact, a love song? Thank you, Your Honour. Just as the book Steal This Book had a price tag on it when it was put into shops, and Scary Movie is, in fact, a comedy, I would like to point out that the statement, This Ain't a Love Song, is a statement by the narrator, not by the artist. It's not John Bon Jovi saying, This Ain't a Love Song. It's the narrator of the song, which is a character created as, as most of Bon Jovi's songs are coming from a character point of view. Now, the title is a lie. If I write in a sheet of paper, this page is blank. Or if I write my life story with the title, this is not an autobiography. Those would also clearly be lies. The story of the song is a story of a lost love. Our narrator had a lover and is now alone and brokenhearted with a mixture of despair and denial. With lyrics like, I cried and I cried, there were nights that I died for you. And I thought you and me would stand the test of time. Then the refrain repeating through the song, if the love that I've got for you is gone, if the river I've cried ain't that long, then I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm wrong. This ain't a love song. Two conditions. Let's look at them. He says, if the love I've got for you is gone, and it's clearly not. It's present in every line of the song. Lines like, the pain I'm feeling is so strong, the reason I'm holding on. Condition number two, if the river I've cried ain't that long. Let's just go back a line where he says, I cried and I cried, there were nights that I died for you. He's clearly done enough crying to justify point two. Now that we've satisfied those points, even our narrator is tacitly admitting that the song is in fact a love song. And even if our narrator is too deluded and heartbroken to see it, we on the outside of this song can agree plain as day that what the singer John Bon Jovi is performing is a sickeningly obvious and painful love song about heartbreak and lost love. I rest my case. All songs are love songs. All songs are love songs. All songs are love songs. Thank you so much, Rowan, as the defense. Now, Matt, as we are all aware, as the prosecution, you are entitled to 30 seconds of rebuttal. Would you care to use those now? Oh, most certainly. Uh, if, 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 if I may address... If I may address the bench, Your Honour. I guess, uh, please. <laughs> Tell me one line from the lyrics of the song. <laughs> he wants you to say the title. <laughs> I, I don't recall any of the lyrics. I, oh, really? I usually listen and then try to put the song out of my mind to be clear for your arguments. That was my argument, basically. Just what, what, what do you remember from the song? <laughs> <laughs> And if it was this ain't what he wants song. you to say, he's trying to get you to say the title out, uh, out loud so that he can claim that that's your your decision. It's semantics. <laughs> the moment you say the title of the song, he's going to shout, "You said it! I win!" <laughs> Basically, I am aware that uh, sometimes games are played in the courtroom. So you have to get up pretty early in the morning to fool this judge. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. All right, here's my thirty seconds now. The song itself is a proclamation. If it were a statement, then it, we would be looking at you know, like contradictory statements as the title itself is a statement. So that's a very different kettle of fish. Now, when it comes to contradictory statements, when a statement made has been contradicted by another in court, the jury is led to believe that all accounts made from that point onwards are false. Any evidence that would seem credible is now unreliable. A contradictory statement made in court signifies that the person making such statement has been untruthful at some point during their account. That sounds like you've used four minutes of your 30-second rebuttal. <laughs> that was that had to at least be 30 seconds. Come on. 
Okay. Okay. Fine. I read my case. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, gallery, everyone. What interesting arguments we have had here today. Rowan, it has, uh, you did some very excellent defending with the examples of lies and blank paper. The court was very moved. Matt, you did also have an excellent argument that it is, in fact, the name of the song. I was, however, swayed by your point how that but renders a previous statement null. And, uh, in fact, although the name of the song is it in a love song, but, in fact, it is. Rowan, this is a love song. Yay! <laughs> you, you had a tough one. Like your butt point in there, and I don't know if I did it very smoothly, but... That's, no, no, that's, that's good. That's good. I, uh, I, had, I had a feeling what you were tr- like really hinging your entire argument on was tricking Erica into saying this ain't a love song. That was what I was trying to do. That was, that was what I was trying to do. Get her to say, what's, what's the one thing that you remember from hearing the song? This ain't a love song. Bang. Done. Well, turns out you can't believe everything you read, especially in a list of Bon Jovi song titles. Our next guest is in Wagga Wagga, Australia. Let's see if she's brought her A-game. Back to the gallery of Judge Erica's courtroom. Welcome, prosecution, defence and gallery. Welcome to the courtroom today. And today we introduce brand new to the bench, Lauren. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Judge Erica. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you. Bonus points for checking in with the judge. What expertise <laughs> are you bringing to the courtroom today, Lauren? Oh, I love a musical theatre. Oh, that, that counts. That, that, that's delightful. And what song do we have in evidence, please? Uh, what is this feeling from the musical Wicked? Loathing, unadulterated loathing. For your face, your voice, your clothing, let's just say, I love it all. Oh, what a great song. Delightful. Well, as mm. prosecution, Lauren, I think we shall hear your argument first. Please tell the court why your song is not a love song. Thank you, Judge Erica. Within the song, there is no mention of hate. As the defendant has mentioned before, love can stem from hate. Though I have to slightly disagree with Rowan there, as not always does hatred stem from love, but that is a completely different topic. Within the lyrics of themselves, there's no mention of either love or hate. There is, though, unadulterated loathing. The definition of unadulterated, not mixed or diluted with any different or extra elements. It is complete and absolute. Now, it is important not mixed or diluted with anything else. The definition of loathing, strong dislike or disgust, an intense aversion to something, or in this case, someone. Place them both together and what do you have? We have a clear, precise definition, not mixed feelings. They are absolute, complete feelings of dislike and disgust. Not love, the opposite of love. You do not let dislike or find love disgusting. At the start of the song, Elphaba, and I will repeat her name just for you, Rowan, because I know you have slight issues saying it, Elphaba and Glinda <laughs> both ask, what is this feeling so sudden and new? 
I felt at the moment I laid eyes on you. They have found themselves in a situation that they have never felt before. The sudden, strong, intense dislike and aversion to each other. As the song mentions, for your face, your voice, your clothing, I loathe it all. Every little trait, however small, makes my flesh begin to crawl. No mention of love whatsoever. The mere sight and sound of each other puts them off. Now, after listening when various other musicals have been brought up on the show, I know the Defender likes to bring up further in the show that they actually end up liking each other and that they do end up friends. But we're talking about this point of time, this song only, not what happens later. As we go through the song, we learn that there is total detestation, so pure, so strong. Detestation being described as an intense dislike of a thing or person, which in the case of this song is Elphaba and Galinda. When the rest of the ensemble joins the song, the song turns somewhat darker. The ensemble can be described and taken as under and overtones of bullying. Glenda is good, as they say, but then they go on using various things like terror, tartar through the lyrics. With someone so disgustified, Glinda is called the martyr for needing to reside in the same dorm as Elphaba. Why are they on Glinda's side? Because Elphaba is different. She isn't the same as everyone else. Therefore, they simply take Glinda's side because she is the popular one and continue to bully Elphaba. I will not lie. I have been obsessing over this song for the last couple of weeks before I put the challenge to Rowan. So, <laughs> so I'm at least, uh, you know, 50% sure there's a few words in the lyrics that the defence is going to try to latch onto. Two words in particular that stood out to me were acceleration and believe. Acceleration, as we know, can be described as a feeling of happiness, excitement or elation. But placed within the context of the song where it falls, their exhilaration is in within total detestation, the excitement and relation of a new feeling of loathing and detestation, not love, nowhere near love. Belief was the other word that jumped out at me. If I was to be arguing for the other side, this would be a word that I'd latch onto. Still, I do believe it can last is a lyric given. We're talking about this point of time, neither Elphaba or Galinda have any idea what is going to happen in the future. They are under the firm belief that they will continue to despise and loathe each other. As they say, forever loathing you. Not loathing you at the moment and might like you a bit later. They are set in their beliefs. Overtones and undertones of bullying. Not love, nowhere near love. Pure, unadulterated loathing. And if the defendant does want to try to bring up later on I would like to state that the ensemble continue to detest and bully Elphaba for the rest of the show. In fact, the opening line of the show is, good news, she's dead. The prosecution rests, Your Honour. Thank you very much, Lauren, for that detailed <laughs> argument. Julie noted all of your points. Rowan, as the defence, it is now your time to argue. Please tell us why. Is this a love song? With pleasure. Thank you very much. Now, for the context, of course, as well raised by Lauren, we've got the two girls, Galinda and Alphaba, writing home to their parents about their rooming situation at Sheds University, 
They've just met, but they loathe each other's contrasting personalities. That's this song. What is this feeling? The song title and lyrics are meant as a deliberate parody of love songs with the classic bait and switch phrases. What is this feeling so sudden and new? I felt at the moment I laid eyes on you. My pulse is rushing. My head is reeling. My face is flushing. What is this feeling? Then the switch. We expect love, but they say, as you rightly pointed out, on a day to on, excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) unadulterated loathing. Even so, they describe, as you pointed out, the experience of having that feeling as being exhilarating, exhilarating to feel so strongly. These are two young women getting out into the world, meeting new people, and uh, having very strong feelings about it. The song itself is in classic love song style and is meant to provoke the assumption of love while cheekily switching it out for another emotion. A duet about mutual feelings should alone be enough to qualify it as a love song, but when a song is part of a story... The context within the story is essential to how we read this scene. I know the uh, prosecution has tried to completely discount any context and an individual pop or rock song may be taken as a single song or have a history or secret meaning. But when a song sits within a musical, it's inextricably tied to the events before and after in the story for us to truly understand the song's purpose and meaning, as we've done in previous episodes with Sophie on musical theatre. So in this... For more context, now that they've met, Galinda will, after this song, and they loathe each other, Galinda will prank Alpha with a pointed black hat meant to embarrass her in front of everyone, all the other popular kids who also say that they loathe Alphaba. But Galinda's going to feel guilty about it, dance with her, and the two of them will become friends, with the popular Galinda taking Alphaba under her wing. This is classic love story material. Two meet, despise each other, then realise they have more in common than they thought. Think of Pride and Prejudice. A classic in the love story genre in which our love story begins with disdain, but is no less a story about love. It's not romantic love, but this is about enduring love between friends. A spoiler, of course, we've already, already done the spoiler part of it. We know the two of them will be driven in different directions by destiny and circumstance. But that's the tragedy of the show. Classic Shakespearean-style stories involve people who should be happy, who should be friends, driven to rivalry or violence by unlucky timing or miscommunication. The ancient Greeks studied love. They divided it into eight segments. The love in this story is best described as philia. That's philia with a PH. Love between friends or family members without a romantic attraction. That perfectly describes the love between these two characters, which endures to the very end in spite of the forces driving them apart and their unfortunate meeting. The Greek love category of storge also resonates within the relationship between these two characters. Storge is between parents and children as well as best friends and exemplified by forgiveness for harmful actions and sharing memorable and impactful moments, as these two do throughout the show. Even after they've become Glinda the Good Witch and Alphaba the Wicked Witch of the West, Glinda still cares enough to warn Alphaba of danger. They forgive each other, acknowledging their mistakes and embracing. In the end, Alphaba is mourned by Glinda while the secretly still alive Alphaba regrets that she will never see her friend again. Now, you're absolutely right in saying, yes, these two end up being friends, but... The chorus is set, all the other kids in the school, they're set in their beliefs, but not Glinda. And this song is a duet between Alphaba and Glinda. This is the beginning of their relationship, which is a roller coaster of a friendship with elements of Shakespearean narrative and easily falling into the ancient Greek categories of love. It all begins with a love song masquerading as loathing, loathing though in spite of its outer camouflage, on the inside, it's exactly... It's exactly what it's jokily pretending to be from the start, a love song.
I rest my case. All songs and love songs. All songs and love songs. All songs and love songs. Thank you, Rowan. Faithful arguments. Now, Lauren, as the prosecution, you are entitled to 30 seconds of rebuttal time. Would you oh, yes, I now? would. <laughs> 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 so, yes, later on they are friends. But, and yes, it is a continuing story. But we cannot look later because we do not know what's going to happen. If you listen to this song for the first time, you are going to see no love in it. No, no love, no love whatsoever. It is two people who unadulterately hate, loathe, I should say, not hate each other. The ensemble is bullying. Yes, an incident happens later. But at that point of time, we do not know that. We can only base it on what is happening in this one song. Ooh, this is a tricky one. All right. <laughs> Prosecution, defence, gallery, any small children may also be listening. Taking all of the arguments into consideration, Lauren, you make a very good point that it's a standalone song. If one were just to listen to it, it, there does not appear to be much love in this song. However, Rowan, as the defence, makes an excellent point that as part of a musical, it is often necessary to consider the entirety of the musical and the intent behind the song and, and how that relationship of the two characters here really is one based upon love. Leading me to side, unfortunately, today, ah. Lauren. <laughs> the defense, this is indeed a ah. love song. Next time. <laughs> Thank you very much, Your Honor. Well done, Lauren. Very well done. You did oh, a fantastic great. job of anticipating my arguments. I was sitting here writing notes and then being like, yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> I told you, I spent two weeks researching this part. Love love Thank you so much for listening and big thank you to Judge Erica and both of our wonderful guests. If you'd like to hear some of Matt's original music, you can find him on ReverbNation.com by searching for Matt Eastwood. If you feel like rating or reviewing the podcast, that's always helpful too. See you in the next episode. Oh, so.